0: dive in and have a look at this passage tonight, There is one thing that I felt I needed to clarify first. Many times through this passage, the phrase, the Son of God is used. If you were here last Sunday morning, Pastor Dowell gave a great sermon about what it means for Jesus to be the Son of God, and that it means that he is God's Son. But what I wanted to clarify first is that we who have been around church for a long time... Understand what that means. But there are many people who, when they hear Christians say Jesus is God's Son, they think that what we mean is that God had some sort of sexual relationship with someone and that Jesus is the Son that came from that. Now, we hear that and we rightly say that that's blasphemous. That's definitely not what we mean. And Muslim people, it was a a Muslim guy who told me that this, he said, well, We know likewise that's blasphemous, therefore how can you say Jesus is the Son of God? Like, is is that what we mean? We, We know it's not. Like, when we say Jesus is the Son of God, we mean this as the title that Jesus used about himself. Jesus described himself as the Son of God. He used it not in terms of like family descent, but in terms of his nature and his character, and also the relationship that, he believed he had with the Father. There was something special about him. As the writer to the Hebrews puts it in the first chapter, he says this, The Son is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And so when we say the Son of God, what we mean is that Jesus is of the very same nature as God. He is different from God the Father, but everything that is true of God is also true of him. I just wanted to clarify that before we begin. Uh, Let us pray, and then we'll look at this passage for tonight. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit by which we can understand and comprehend the things that you have put in here. I thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, I thank you that you sent him into the world. I pray that he would be honored and magnified and made to look appealing and beautiful and and powerful tonight. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would teach us what is true. It says here that you are truth. May you teach that to us tonight. May you open our minds and our hearts to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name amen dear brothers and sisters let us love one another for when we love the children of God we love God and obey his commandments and when we love God and keep his commandments we in turn love God's children but let us not love the world or the things in the world For if anyone loves the world, the love of God the Father is not in them. And if the love of God the Father is not in you, then you cannot love God, you cannot love his Son, and you cannot keep the commandments of his Son. John tells us, Do not be deceived. All that is in the world, the cravings of the flesh, the lusts of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, and these things will not satisfy you. We know that the world will not remain, for it is passing away. But God's word tells us that whoever does the will of God will remain forever. Dear friends, we do not need to be in the dark about what God's will is. For Jesus has come, and he has told us God's will. Jesus told us that this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. And we know that the word that Jesus has spoken is is true. For God the Father has given testimony about him that this Jesus is the Son of God. If we look at Chapter 5, verse 6 to 8, it says this, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree. What we see in these verses, though put forward admittedly in a, slightly confusing sort of way, is the way through which God the Father has given testimony about his Son. Firstly, the Father has given testimony about his Son at the time when he was baptized in the waters. For as his Son rose from the waters, the Holy Spirit descended on him from heaven like a dove. And a voice from heaven witnessed, "'You are my beloved Son, and with you I am well pleased.'" Secondly, the Father has given testimony about the Son on the cross where his blood was shed. And the greatest way he has given testimony to him is by raising him back from the dead. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the Lamb of God who saves us from the judgment of God. Now in times past, the Israelites on the night of Passover would take a lamb without spot or blemish. And they would place some of the blood of this lamb after it had been killed on the doorposts of their house and on the beams of their house. And they did this to remind them of something. They did it to remind them that on the very first Passover, when they were slaves in Egypt, that on the day of judgment, when the Lord saw the blood that had been placed on the houses, he passed over that house but that the firstborn child of those whose houses did not have the blood was struck down and killed as the judgment of God. And so likewise on the cross, the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, was shed, that we who are covered by it should not suffer the judgment of God, but that it likewise may pass over us. And we know these things to be true, for God has given witness to this, by raising his son Jesus from the dead. Thirdly, as the father has testified about the son in his baptism and in his death and resurrection, so also he has given witness to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. For the spirit by the prophets of old spoke of the son who was to come into the world hundreds of years before his birth. While he was on earth, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit He gave him power such that he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And now, having raised the Son from the dead and received him into heaven, God has sent forth the Holy Spirit into the world to convict it about sin and about righteousness and about judgment. The Holy Spirit convicts the world about sin because the world does not believe in the Son. The Holy Spirit convicts the world about judgment because the ruler of this world stands under the judgment of God. By these three ways, we know that Jesus is the Son of God. For the Father has testified that he is the Son by his baptism and in his death and resurrection and by the Holy Spirit. The Father has testified that Jesus is the Savior of the world, And that he died as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he has testified that Jesus is God himself, who became flesh and who dwelt among us. If in our lives we receive the testimony of men concerning all sorts of things, and indeed we must, the testimony of God is greater than the testimony of men. And this is the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. By God's testimony, therefore, we know that Jesus is the Son of God. We know that he has come into the world. And by his coming, the Son has given us understanding. By his coming, he has made God known to us, for he has shown us what God is like. And he has made known to us the greatness of the love of God. For the Bible tells us that by this, the love of God has been revealed, that God sent his son into the world as a ransom for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but may have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world may be saved through him. And so, dear friends, Because the Son of God has come, let us listen to the word he has spoken to us. For he has told us that whoever believes in him will receive eternal life, and that he will raise them up from death on the last day. And so, Lord God, help us who are here to believe. Lord, let us believe that that Jesus is the Son of God, let us believe that he is the Savior of the world. And let us believe that he has died for the forgiveness of sins. And and not just our sins, but even for my sins. Dear brothers and sisters, you who believe in Jesus, you know that these things are true. For as chapter 5 verse 10 tells us, all who believe in the Son... Receive in themselves a testimony, and it is this God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. You who believe know that when you believed, God gave you eternal life. You know that when you received Jesus as Lord and as Savior, He gave you the right to become a child of God, and you were born again. Now, before you believed, you were already alive in your flesh. It was your spirit that was dead. For before you believed, you were separated from God. But when you believe, though you do not understand how it happened, you, you were born again of the spirit, and your own spirit became alive. Now, many of you know that this has indeed happened For you know that now the Spirit of God himself has come and he dwells in you and he bears witness to your own spirit that you are a child of God. Dear brothers and sisters who believe, you you know also that when we believed in the Son, we found within us an assurance that our sins had been forgiven. For the Spirit of God Within assured us that as God's children, the blood of Jesus had come and covered over and cleansed us from our sins. After you believed, you found that in the place of a fearful expectation of God's judgment, instead the love of God had been placed into your heart. And this perfect love cast away from you the fear of God's punishment and in its place you found praises and thanksgiving for the mercy of God begin to dwell up from within. By this love at work within you, you you found when you believed that you began to hate the things of this world which drew you away from God. Instead, you began to keep the commandments of God which you found not to be burdensome but to be a joy and a delight. Your prayer to your Father in Heaven was, put put everything that is false far from me, O God, and, and teach me your law. You began to live day by day, following the direction of the Holy Spirit who empowered you to live according to the Word of God. And as you learned to walk in obedience to the Word and to the Spirit, you found that You no longer followed and gave into and gratified the desires of your sinful nature. Instead, the Spirit began to bring forth in your life love and joy and peace. You began to walk in the light, confessing your sins and enjoying fellowship with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. But greater though than all of these, you found something else. You found that you had come to know God himself. You found that Jesus himself is that eternal life that you'd been given. And it's he who you had come to know. You found that he spoke to you by his spirit and by his word and through your fellow believers. And you found that you in turn could speak back to him and that he heard you. Because... You desired to please this God who you loved. You you prayed according to his will. And so you received the things that that you asked from him. You found over time that you delighted to just be with him. You delighted to to think about him, to, to think about what he'd done for you and about what he meant to you. And you loved to be with the church, God's children. For in loving God's children, you found an expression for the love that you had for God himself. I believe that by the testimony of the word of God, this is the testimony that the believer has, that when they believed, God gave them eternal life in his son. Let us close with four applications. Dear friends, God has given testimony about Jesus Christ that that He is the Son of God. And those who believe have have received in themselves a testimony that that when they believe, God gave them eternal life. So, therefore, firstly, for the sake of our souls and that we may, may have this eternal life, ask yourself, do you have the Son? Do not be deceived. As verse 12 tells us, whoever has the Son of God has life, but whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Now, to have the Son is, is to receive Him as Lord and as God. It is to turn away from sin and to trust in the Son and to trust that He will save you from sin and from judgment. And it is to have the Holy Spirit bring you into relationship with Jesus, the one in whom true life is found. It is to know and to experience and to have relationship with Jesus, not, not just in the past and not just in the future, but here and now today. This is the first application. Ask yourself, do you have the Son? Have you received him? Secondly, dear brothers and sisters, the Son of God has come that, that we may have life and that we may have it abundantly. Before we knew him, the, the Bible tells us and our experience backs up that, that we were slaves to sin, which led to death. But now that we have come to know him, we have been set free from sin and we are being set free from sin. Therefore, if we see a fellow Christian who is in sin, let us pray that God may restore that brother and give him life. We know that we are the body of Christ and that where one member suffers, all suffer. For this life that we have in the Son, it's not just something we have individually, but something that we as God's children share together. So therefore, let, let us pray daily for our fellow members, pleading with God that they would be set free from the desires of the sinful nature within and that they would be strengthened in love for the Lord. Let us pray for one another that God may give us victory over the sins that come and so easily entangle us. Let us continue to meet together and to strengthen and encourage one another. To spur each other on in love for God and in good deeds. For as Christ laid down his life for us, so also we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. May this love not just be word or talk, but may it be in deed and in truth. Thirdly, Dear brothers and sisters, you who believe in the Son of God, keep yourself from idols. With these words, the Apostle closes his writing. Keep yourself from idols. Flee from anything that draws your affections away from the Father and from the Son and back to the things of this world. We know that the pull of this world is strong and its attractions are many. The distractions of this world are all around us. But as was said at the start of tonight, you who believe may have confidence that you have and will overcome this world. This world is passing away, but you will remain forever. Therefore, do not run back to the temporary things of this age. Seek Jesus and him alone, For Jesus is the true God and in him is life abundantly. Jesus has commanded us that if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and throw it away. Therefore, if your television or your partying or your music causes you to sin, pluck them out and throw them away. If your Facebook... Or your riches draw you away from God, cut them off and cast them from you. If anything causes you to love the things of this world, flee from it as you would from a burning building. We know that to embrace the things of this world and its temptations is not the will of our Father in heaven. Therefore, let us pray as his Son taught us, our Father in heaven. Keep us from temptations and deliver us from evil. You may have confidence that our Father hears such prayers and that you have received the things you have asked of him. So, and so, dear brothers and sisters, keep yourself from idols. Keep yourself from the love of this world. Instead, let us make every effort to love the Lord our God and to love Jesus, his son, and to love one another. Now, originally, I had planned to stop here. Originally, I planned to only have three applications, but as I talked this through with someone last night, I realized that there needs to be a fourth. Because we have to ask the question, well, if these things are directed and are true of those who believe. If those who believe have in themselves a testimony and assurance that they are a child of God, then what about those that do not believe? Or, or what about those that say, I do believe, but I do not have that testimony in myself. I, I do not know that I have received eternal life. What, what are we to say to these things? Let, let us start here. What for the man or the woman who does not believe? Well, if you are here and you do not believe, and not only do you not believe, but you do not want to believe, then nothing that any person sitting here in this room can say is going to make you change your mind. By all means, you may ask us whatever you want. If you have a question and that is the stumbling block that is stopping you believe. Come and talk to someone. But if you do not want to believe, you will not believe. Ultimately, only you can decide to believe. And only God himself can give you what is necessary in order for you to believe. And so I'm not going to stand here and try and convince you to believe in the Son of God. God's given testimony about his Son, And that is, according to the Bible, enough. But I believe that because God is gracious to us and he is merciful, that if you are to believe, he will show you what you need in order to do that. And so my challenge to you who say, I do not believe and I do not want to believe, is this. When you go home this night, and you are in your room by yourself, get down on your knees, or you may sit. I don't really mind. I'm not going to be there to see. But I encourage you to take 15 seconds. Take 15 seconds and say, God, I'm pretty sure you don't hear me because I don't think you exist. But I went to church tonight, and someone stood up and talked about you. If you are real, would you show me who you are, and that you love me. That is my challenge. Nothing more, nothing less. If, you know, if nothing happens, okay, you wasted 15 seconds of your life. You're probably going to do that on Facebook anyway. But if what we are saying is true and the Son of God has come, is it not at least worth making some effort? What about, though, secondly, the person who does not believe, but but who wants to believe? What shall we say to this person? Well, the testimony of the Bible is that faith to believe is a gift from God. And that secondly, the f- that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so if you say, I want to believe, but I do not believe, believe, then when we step down from here, you come and you see me, or you go see Pastor Darrell, who is sitting up down the back, or you can see any of the pastors of this church, and they will sit with you, and they will open the word of God, and they will pray with you, and they will plead on your behalf that God would give you the faith to believe in his son. They will take the word and they will read it with you and ask that God would give you that faith. You may say, oh, I, I wouldn't want to burden someone like that. If we look at it the other way, if one of your friends or your family was in hospital and they were dying, and then they decided that they were going to fight for their life, but they wanted you there with them to strengthen them, would you not sit with them all night and hold their hand, and be there with them. Apart from Jesus, you are already dead. But if you come and you say, I want this eternal life, we likewise will sit with you, and we will pray with you, until God gives you that faith, in order to believe. Thirdly, what about the person who says, I think I believe, but has no assurance? What shall we say to these things? Well, I believe that as the faith to believe is a gift of God, so also is assurance. And so if you say, I believe, but I do not have this assurance, you have two options. Option number one is you can say, well, I've tried this and it doesn't work. Obviously, this is all a lie and you can run away. You can leave, you can quit. You can give up. Many, many people in Jesus' day did, did as much. They journeyed with him for a little while, but when the stakes went up or he said something hard, they walked away. So also you can choose that, okay, I walk away. I quit. On the other hand, you have a second option, and it is this you can come and you can get down on your knees and you can cry out to your father in heaven, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, give me the Holy Spirit for you said that ask and it will be given to you and seek you will find and Your son said that you delight to give us eternal life and you delight to give us the Holy Spirit and you stay there and you pray as though your life depends on it for it does. You pray as though if God does not show up and give you the faith that results in you knowing you have eternal life, that your life is over for when you die, you will go to hell. This is true. It is harsh, but it is true. And so you come and you pray as though your life depends on it and you wait and you plead with God. God says he will not delay, but he will answer the poor sinner in his prayer. And he will come and he will give them the faith that leads to eternal life. That is the fourth and final application. If after the service finishes tonight, you wish to talk to someone or to pray with someone, I will come sit down here at this front table where Cassandra is. And Daryl, I imagine, will be wherever Daryl is. He's in a pink shirt. You should be able to find him. And we will talk or pray or do whatever is necessary. But for now, I would like to pray to God. And then I'll ask the band to come up and, and close our service with a song about our testimony.